My name is Aaron Morse, filling in for Matty B on this Thursday morning. And on the phone, we have the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs, AA affiliate of the Boston Red Sox, Mike Antonellis, who's also the host of a new podcast called Behind the Mic. First of all, Mike, thanks so much for joining us here today. And first question for you, this podcast, or episode four coming out tomorrow, what was the inspiration behind uh, starting this podcast here uh, during this offseason? I was from the uh, guy I work with in the office named Justin Phillips, who's one of our sales guys, and he does one called Sports Sales and Coffee, and he had been kind of getting on me about doing one and said, you know, I should really do it. Uh, and he just kept pushing me, and I finally said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it wasn't something I've, I've really thought about doing, and, you know, I'm getting more into podcasts as I, uh, I do this and, and uh, listen to his, so I was really motivated and inspired by him and some other people uh, that I know, and so far, so good. You know, it's still a work in progress, and we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, I'm curious. What have you learned so far through uh, three episodes with episode four coming out soon here? Uh, I, people enjoy these a lot more than uh, I thought. You know, I, I figured... The two I did without an interview, that those would not be well received because it's just me rambling. For <laughs> minutes, you know? Nothing I mean, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to. So I, I, it's, um, I think I've gotten a lot more positive feedback and actually a lot more uh, tweets and, and just feedback a lot earlier than I thought. You know, some things I've done that I've sent out, you don't get a lot of response right away, but it seems to be kind of a niche that people enjoy. And, and that's what it's about, too. It's. I'm hoping to do something that people like and it's it's good for them and I can connect with people at different levels and, um, you know, that they, they find it fun. So I, I, that's what I want to do. And I want to have people on it that are inspirational and not just sports but in anything. And, and uh, I just think it's good to have positive dialogue now. For sure. The Sea Dogs open up uh, Thursday, April 4th, hosting Reading at 6 o'clock. So, Opening day, uh, just a few months away now, I suppose. Uh, what's going on right now? I know you're full-time with the Sea Dogs in the offices. What's going on this offseason that you're excited to, to share with us so far? Uh, just planning for next year. I mean, yeah. we've got a lot of uh, cool things going on. We, we're going to have some really cool bobbleheads this year, and they're going to be different. They're not going to just be the, the, uh, the general pose that you've seen before. Uh, we got some really cool things that we're going to do. we got a hot stove dinner coming up Tuesday. Keith Falk's going to headline that. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be bringing Nick Lavello around to two Hannafords, one in Lewiston, one in Westbrook, and uh, it's just spreading the healthy eating, and, and just Nick's just going to be there promoting our dinner and the Sea Dogs. And so we've got a lot of events. Um, I do a lot with Slugger, too, uh, out and about the community. Um, it's, it's really a lot. We have a lot of planning that we do. I mean, this morning we're talking about a couple dates that we're looking to do things that we don't have anything planned for. We built the stage this year out front. Uh, so we just keep trying to evolve. You know, the fans really push what we do, too. I mean, our creativity kind of stems from what people want, you know, doing more things connected with Marvel or more scene nights connected with Harry Potter, for example. Mm. A lot of what we do is really driven by, um, you know, mainstream media and what's kind of out there. That's, it kind of helps us decide what people like. You mentioned that you work a lot with Slugger the Sea Dog. Uh, Slugger's obviously a great mascot. Have you ever had to be Slugger? Have you ever had to be any mascot during your time in baseball? Because I know I sure did when I was in independent ball. I had to, yeah. I had to be the mascot a few times. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done it before. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, um, I've jumped in the suit. Not not in a long time, probably not since my first year. Okay. Uh, 
doing it. But, yeah, it's fun. I mean, nobody knows who you are. Um, I actually did our main event here one night, did that rape. I was one of those characters. Uh, uh, we have four different characters. Right. As you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was surreal walking around the park, people high-fiving you, and they had no idea who was in the suit. And uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Hey, Mike, you know, um, I think Aaron said something like uh, Sea Dogs play 140 games a year. Do you ever yeah. have some time where you just tired of watching baseball and calling <laughs> the games? I mean, that's a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about to, you know, to, I don't want to say the average person. I, I would say the people who aren't involved in it because it's hard for them to perceive. Like if you're, even with my dad or, or some of my close friends, because they're not in it, um, it, it's draining. But I think I've learned that that's normal. The human body can only, and mind can only take so much. So, yeah, I really, I can only take so much sports in general. I find myself watching less and less as I've gotten older. Um, I just have other interests, and I get a, you know, it's probably because I'm lucky, too, that I get a bigger fix than most, but I can't watch another nine-inning game after um, calling a game. And it's not just, you know, the days, for instance, you know, a home game, I'm here at 845. I mean, I do a lot of, I write the game notes. Those take two, three hours. So that's baseball. Um, attending the media, calling the game, then writing the game story, then do, I mean, so I have you know, eight to nine to ten hours a day involved in it. And it's just, it, it wouldn't be sure. normal if I could just watch it all the time. But, yeah, I mean, I used to be disappointed that that was starting to happen, but then you just kind of, after 20-something years, it's just normal to do that. Um, the other sports are different. Those guys, they don't play every day. I think they can get the fix of it. Sure. Um, you know, hockey can go four or five days without playing. So those guys are a lot different than I am. Mike, on the on the national broadcast, uh, Castiglione and whoever his partner is, it's up in the air right now. But uh, they they do uh, one guy calls uh, the play by play for for a couple innings, and the, and the Castiglione gets to do color and add some comments, and then they switch back. Would that be helpful? Well, he does it or for home it, games, or is it just yeah? yeah or is it just uh, um, the fact that you got so much to do, and it's all the one activity? Most jobs, you do different things. but Yeah, so like we're at home here, uh, that's how we break it. I, I like it. You know, I like to get uh, the middle three innings. Uh, Mark, who I work with, he does those. And I do other stuff. You know, sometimes <coughs> I'll do some notes or I get caught up with some stuff that I have to do. Um, and on the road, it's just me. And then, so I, I do. I like it. It's different. I like to do the color, too. And, um it's fun to sit back and just watch because it's a different perspective when you're not calling the game because you can look at different things. Um, when you're doing play-by-play, you really have to follow the ball. Uh, um, when I can look at, you know, a guy gets the ball and I can see, like, maybe he fell down on the box where you can't see those things um, sure. if you're doing play-by-play. Sure. Mike, I'm curious. Um, you've been, you know, throughout your uh, broadcasting career, who's maybe, and you've seen a lot of players, but who was maybe the prospect that you thought, wow, like this guy is looking back. Who's like the best prospect you've seen? Not necessarily how his career turned out, right? It's so like Mookie Betts yeah, obviously yeah. has been a, a superstar, oh, yeah. but maybe when they are in the minor leagues and you saw them, whether it be with the team you're broadcasting for or the opposing team, who's maybe the one guy who stood out the most to you? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, there's <laughs> been a lot. I mean, Noah Syndergaard did. Hmm. Uh, he made it to the big leagues. We actually have this guy, Jack Davis, that was here. That. 
um, was a 300 hitter. He was like a left-handed batting eucalyptus, and he was really working into his power. And then he had a ton of injuries and just ended up having to quit. Mm. Um, he was a guy that I think had a chance to play in the big leagues. I thought Alex Hassan was really good here, too. Uh, you know, he got a little bit of time with the Red Sox. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I have to really think about that. But, I mean, most of the guys that stand out have been, you know, those big league guys. Um, pitchers can be tough. You know, you see guys that are starters here, and then they end up in those big leagues as a reliever. Uh, but I, 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 think, I thought Lars Anderson, when he first came up, um, I didn't think he was overhyped. I mean, he had two grand slams for us in his first month. And we had never had a guy do that, hit two in a year, I think. And he had two within two weeks. And uh, I think he just succumbed to too much pressure that was put on him, which I, I still to this day think it was very unfair. Uh, there was too much put on him, and he just couldn't handle it. I mean, I think he'd be the first to admit it. But um, I thought he was going to be a no-brainer big leaguer, but it just didn't work out. Sure. Are there any players who you keep in touch with after they move on from Portland, whether it be to Pawtucket or to the Red Sox, or they get traded or anything like that? Are there guys you, you still in t stay in touch with, or you really focus on the current team every year? Yeah, no, Facebook's helped that. So yeah. we get messages yeah, from guys. Um, and now I've been in it longer where there's guys that are coaches, and I think I've seen a few that have come back here, and that's really cool. Um, and we have a chance to have – uh, Iggy Suarez has played for us in 06 through 08 or 09. He's managing, I believe, in Salem, and he could be here someday. That would be the first player that I was with that would be a manager on the same team. That would be kind of surreal. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and I like all the guys. You know, it doesn't, I don't, for me, I don't care about how good they are. I mean, I care about what type of guy they are, and, and yeah. they've all been great. I mean, I, and I need that, too. There's been... I've never really had any issues with anybody. And um, so, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I talked to uh, Ty Buttry a few days ago. He was on MLB, and I just sent him a text. Um, you know, sometimes when guys leave, too, you, you lose touch. It's kind of the weird part of the game. You know, they start over. They got a new kind of organization. But, um, yeah, uh, coaches, Arnie Baylor and I are still uh, terrific friends to this day. And um, I know he's up for the Baltimore first base job, so. Um, yeah, it's kind of neat. Facebook's been great for that, to see a lot of former guys here and, and uh, you know, see them comment on some of the stuff we put out on social media. One thing that I always found challenging is you're right, especially in affiliated baseball, it's not about the wins and losses, right? It's about developing these players and, you know, hoping, hoping they can, you know, move on to, to better things uh, in terms of AAA or the big leagues. But – I am. I have a competitive spirit. I don't know how competitive you are necessarily, and so I. I sometimes found myself frustrated if my if the team I was broadcasting for wasn't doing so well. How have you learned throughout your career to kind of you know hide? If if do you get that frustration, and how do you have learned to kind of hide it on the air and everything? You can't get too up and down. I mean, with that many games, yeah. it, just, it would be too hard. Um, I think it's effort. You know, a lot of times we just not have the guys. So. I mean, you get, you know, like, what can you do? Maybe you get frustrated that you wish they put different guys here. But, I mean, in every every sport, and I and I know that, you know, the super hot take sports shows have to do this, but it does <laughs> come down to players. I mean, yeah. you, you know, all this coaching stuff is to a point. you got to have the guys. And that doesn't mean that good coaches are overrated with good players because that's super hard to motivate them, too, but... You know, you see it in this game. I mean, when you watch it every day, if you just if you don't have arms, 
you have no chance. You can't. Your pitching coach cannot pitch guys into being better if they just don't have the, the physical talent. Right. So, so sometimes you just throw the handbook. You know, we got better last year because we got better. We, you know, they put, we got Dahl back, Chandler came back, uh, De La Guerra and Witty were sent down from AAA. We had Ockamy and our lineup was, was better. I see we'll lose one guy and then nobody hits. But, you know, we went through the first few months where we just didn't have pitching. And, and you know, I'm a bit frustrated because you wish – Maybe you have better arms, but if you don't, sometimes you just you just chalk it up to what you can do. And um, so I, I, I'm pretty good. I, I'm always fine every day, you know, regardless. And I was hoping that the guys are pretty good too. They don't let anything get uh, too up and down, or, or at least they don't show it. But they're pretty good at rebounding from you know a tough stretch and, and just going out there. But you know, this game is strange. I've seen guys pitch with bad stuff and, and, and win, and then guys would have great stuff and they lose. It's like, it, it is to me, it, it can be a very unfair game at times. Obviously, we don't know who's going to be on the Sea Dogs yet this season. That's all determined in the upcoming months. But are there some prospects in the Red Sox organization that you're really excited to see eventually play in Portland or possibly play in Portland this season? Yeah, I think some pitching guys. Um, you know, Denny Reyes, who's a, a top pitching prospect, should be here, Tanner Hawk. A lot of the, the high draft picks uh, for the pitchers should be here. Um, C.J. Chatham is a really good infielder. So they, they do have some guys that are coming up. You know, it, it's it's been a little rough in the system, but, you know, you got to look at what the compensation was for that. They really did a good job uh, building that big league team to win, and, and they were one of the, you know, the best team the Red Sox ever had. So, the, the, you know, the, the thing with the farm system, I know people get up in arms about it, but they do get the draft every year, too. So you can lose guys, but you do replenish. You do, you know, every year there's someone you don't think. Uh, Ryan Brazier was just an organizational filler. They just signed him to fill A, and he could be in that big league team again. So those are the moves that I like. I think the Red Sox have done a really good job with signing those kind of guys and finding, you know, some journeymen to fill the roster. So... I think this team this year is going to be a lot better. I think that they're going to have a lot more pitching early in this league. If you can win early, um, you can really, you know, set yourself up good because the first two months are usually tough for hitters because it's cold. And, uh, you know, the, that's why Trenton has done so well here. The Yankees have had really good arms here early, and they just dominate everyone. Interesting. Well, uh, that's an interesting point you bring up because I remember – Minor leagues are double A, and I, I have I've been out of it for a bit. But it used to be broken up into two halves. I don't, the Eastern League has it always been this one long season, or have they had two halves before? Yeah, they've never. Yeah, it's been one. The other double A leagues do it. Um, right. But yeah, this is just one. And there's some talk about that changing. So if it does change, that would be great. You know, that way, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you could reset. So it's all Eastern League has always been different. That's interesting, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's and what. what Think about that is, you know, last year we were we were a lot better in the second, like after seventy games, we yeah. were over five hundred. But you can't see that anywhere because we were so bad in the first half. Um, you know, no one can tell that we really got better unless you're really following the standings every day. But people just look at the end. So um, I think it would be great to have different winners. And I just think from revenue, you know, other teams would get more playoff games, and it would help sell more tickets. 
Certainly. Well, I'm Mike Antonellis. He is the host of Behind the Mic, a new podcast. You can find it on iTunes. He's got a Facebook, a Twitter account for it as well. And, of course, he's the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. They open up Thursday, April 4th against Reading. Cannot wait. Mike, thanks so much for joining us here on the B-List Daily. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.